Hello, homemakers, and welcome to the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I am your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife, I'm a mom to four grown kids, grandmother to one baby boy due this fall, and I have been practicing the art of home for 30 years. If you're new here, welcome to the podcast. If you are a regular listener, thanks for tuning in again. I know you are waiting with bated breath for the second half of my discussion with Karen Shepard about the art of using words in the home. Last week, we kicked off this two-part deep dive about words, words we hold on to, words we pour out, and words we take in. Most of our discussion in part one focused on the words we hold on to because those words have a huge impact on the words we pour out and even the words we choose to take in. As we talked about in part one, all of these words are connected and they form a cycle of words, if you will, in our hearts and in our homes. Part one really lays the foundation for the rest of this discussion. So if you haven't listened to that one, be sure you go back and give it a listen. I would even say before you listen to today's episode. And make sure you get a copy of the companion resource that we made to help you tackle the unhelpful and untrue words you hold on to and replace them with truth. Just click the link in the show notes or go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash words. In today's episode, we pick up in the middle of our discussion on the words we pour out. Last time we talked about our speech, and now we're going to finish this category discussing the words that we write. We talk about the value of letters, memoirs, journals, and the practice of expressive writing to work through traumatic or difficult experiences in life. Karen also gives a word of advice to aspiring writers. We end our discussion today with the category words we take in, including the Bible, media, music, and great books. We have a lot of words about words today. So without further ado, let's get back into this deep dive on the value and importance of words in the home. So that gets us to the importance of writing things down, which is the next place we're going to go. We're going to talk about writing our words. Study after study shows that you remember things better when you write them down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense to me, but um, yes. you know, I don't know. Some people don't write anything down, so and they remember everything in their brain. But That's brain a special is- <laughs> gift. I don't know. I don't yeah. think a lot of people have that gift. So writing scripture... Um, I think is a it's a good habit to get into every now and then. You know, maybe not every day, but every now and then to have a journal that you write scripture in. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to remember a lot more when you write it. There's some there's a process in the brain. It uses different parts of the brain when you write, mm-hmm. and just reading. Um, you don't you don't notice as much. Um, and handwriting actually engages more areas of the brain and establishes more. Um, connections yeah. within the brain. And so, you know, why would... And there's something about cursive, you uh-huh. know, the cursive. It's because you don't pick the pen up off of the paper. Yeah. You just write. Yeah. It's a fluid, continuous fluid mo- yeah. motion. So these researchers at this um, Center for Learning Environment and Behavioral Research, um, 
they they did a re- um, some research and they found that reading handwritten text activates activates different parts of the brain than reading typed text. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So we, I don't know, growing up with with our kids growing up, and um, I remember one Christmas, Greg wrote each of the girls letters, mm-hmm. and that was their pretty much their Christmas present, because in it he had, he proposed that he would do something special with them for the rest of the whole, well, like the whole next year, uh-huh. every month. He would do Aww. something special with each one. And he actually came up with ideas and everything mm-hmm. in there. And and it didn't, very few things cost money. Yeah. It was mostly just free things. You yeah. know, the, it was just spending time with them. <laughs> but um, but those girls, they cherish those letters. Yeah. They all, they have their letters and they pull them out every now and then and look at them. And um, um, Edith Schaefer in her chapter on writing in The Hidden Art of Homemaking talks about letters a good bit uh, because this book was written back in the early 70s, I think. Yeah. Um, this was much more common to do letters, you know, actually mail them in, mm-hmm. the, in the mail. But they had a, a thing that their family did, which I thought was so cool. They would, on the um, on the night of their child's wedding, the child who was getting married would write a letter to each member of the family oh. and put it like under their pillow or something. Oh. On, the, on the day of the wedding, the daughter who was getting married or the son who was getting married would write out a letter to the mom and the dad and then to whoever was still living in the home, whatever siblings were still there. And it was sort of a farewell. And she talks about it in the book. She says, in the hustle and bustle of a wedding and a reception, and then if they leave right away, you don't always get to say those words, you know, and to have that letter... They have just treasured those letters, and the siblings have treasured their letters from their siblings. And um, I thought, that's so awesome. And actually, our kids, my son and my daughter-in-law did something kind of like that, where they Mm. wrote letters to their parents, Mm. and they read them to us at the rehearsal supper. Well, let me tell you. Oh, I mean, there like, was not a dry eye in the room, and um, I can imagine. I have them video recorded, um, <sighs> but I do not have copies of those letters yet, and I need to get copies of them and put them in my memory box that yep. I'm going to yep. start. Yeah, I love that because having been through three weddings, I know how it can get crazy and yeah. wild, and feelings can get hurt, and. Yes. <laughs> And boy, to have something like that would have been great. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna tell my girls about that. <laughs> yeah. So letter writing yeah. is, I am all for yeah. it. Yeah. Well, even with our grandkids, we love to, uh, on Valentine's, yes. we like to write them special oh, letters. I and love so that. we, you know, sometimes we make the cards, sometimes we buy the cards. It depends on how early we get started because we have to do 14. And so that's a lot. Um, but uh, but just making them specific to each child and mm-hmm. trying to be an encouragement to them. And, um, and it's encouraging to us to do it. You could even do that but, with your spouse too. And oh, you could, yeah. You could take that list that you encouraged us all to make yep. about the things that we love about yeah. our spouse and yeah. turn it into a poem or yeah. Or not, or just, you know, write out the list and give it to them for Valentine's oh, yeah. Day or something. Yeah, you sure could. But um, also, letters from way back. Mm-hmm. I treasure my letters from my dad and my grandparents, mm. who are now all gone. Yeah. But um, so my dad was, he was in the Navy, 
And now we have a grandson in the Navy. Oh. And so I sent him all my dad's letters <gasps> to read. Oh. And he has read those letters over and over. And he keeps asking me questions oh, like, what was your dad's rank? And where was he? And Because, you know... It, he just wants to, he feels it's this connection. connection. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, that's awesome. He just awesome. feels this connection with my dad, who he never even knew. Mm-hmm. And so, but, um, so my dad was in the Navy, and in, in 1944, on January 16th, I just took an excerpt out of a few of his letters. He said, I thought seasickness was pretty bad, but I'm finding out that homesickness is a lot worse, and it's something you can't get over. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, wow, my dad never showed a lot of emotion and that sounds pretty Yeah, that's a very that's a very emotive <laughs> passage right there. Yeah, and he just in in the letter he just kept going on and on about it, you Aww. know, about how homesick he was and uh, but and then another time he, he said in response to a letter he had gotten from his mom in, in 1944, he said, tell daddy to be careful. We don't want any jailbirds in the family. It's bad business to argue with an officer. I sure got a kick out of hearing about him being taken to jail. (laughs) (laughs) And then I saw that side of him and I thought, oh, "Oh." that's so funny. (laughs) But, you know, things, these are stories I've never heard, you know, (laughs) but uh, so, and then there was a letter from my grandmother and, um, she said, we've been married 61 years, have three children, 11 grandchildren, and all Christians. I hope and pray they keep following Christ in this old world. So much change and so much more sin in this old world, but we must pray and help our children all we can. Uh-huh. So I thought, you know, here we think we're praying for, you know, people right now in, in war and, and, and people that we know and and and. She was doing the same thing yeah. back then when she was younger than I am right now, mm-hmm. and so I just uh, I just thought, wow, that's really cool, yeah, <laughs> to connect in her with her in that way, exactly. You know? But um, and then when our kids, we adopted these two children, and um, w- the church gave an adoption party, and they gave them each these little books of encouragement, and everybody wrote notes in there, mm-hmm. and it was pr- it was just. Amazing. That's and, so cool. And so a couple of the examples of notes. Um, this was 1974. You are a special young lady with tremendous potential for God. You are a blessing to us, and we thank God for you and your family. Love in Jesus. P.S. I will always remember that you called me teacher. Oh. And so I thought those words, mm-hmm. you know, are impactful. This reminds me of when you're when you when I was a kid and you would get your yearbook. Mm-hmm. Yes. And people would sign your yearbook and you know the ones the people that I was closest to I would reserve like a whole page for them. You know, like nobody else could write on this page because this was for my my best girlfriend, you know, that was her page and then this is for my yeah. boyfriend. And right. you know right. and then as this is you know in middle school and high school and you would go back and I would read and I would pour over those words yeah. and not necessarily the best input but it was really encouraging mm-hmm. for me, as a, especially as a young woman, as a mm-hmm. teenager, to read a, these encouraging words from these friends who said, yeah. you know, I had so much fun doing this with you this year, and this is what I love about you, and, you know, whatever yes. they wrote. Some of it was yes. meaningless dribble, but some of it was yeah. impactful, yeah. and I think very formative yeah. for me as a young person. Yeah. So what a treasure to have this kind of thing. Well, yeah, and our daughter, she even said... 
I don't want to take this book because I'm afraid I'm going to lose oh, it yeah. because she was moving around a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and so I've kept it here for her, but she probably doesn't remember anything in it much, right. you know, and so to send her some of these things that people said mm-hmm. at a time when maybe her life is needing a lot of encouragement might right. might make or break exactly. her, you know? I mean, letters, words and letters can do that. Absolutely. <laughs> and so um, one of them even said, you are a chosen child. You are very blessed by God. Mm. And so it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. But and so I, I've been, over the years, I, I have taken forever to do this project, but it's, I'm doing a recipe book for this daughter. And... Um, and so I'm trying to collect recipes from the family, and then I want to write stories like in between the recipes mm-hmm. and put excerpts from all of the things that I have of yeah. her, her letters and everything that you know she's um, sent or that we've sent her or yeah. whatever. Um, but, That's wonderful. Um, yeah. That's a wonderful idea. Yeah, I think it gives hope. Absolutely, and you never yeah. know, like you said, the impact of just the words that you just jot down or that somebody jotted down in mm-hmm. a little book. Maybe 15, 20 years later, yeah. you don't know what impact those words yeah. would have. Yeah. So yeah. Um, let's speak real quickly, practically, since you brought up recipes. I mean, there's moms listening to this that are just so overwhelmed with just the daily life of keeping mm-hmm. up with babies and keeping the laundry going and all that kind of stuff. So this may seem daunting and overwhelming to mm-hmm. them. So... Can you think of a, maybe a couple of practical ways that they could implement something like this? I was just thinking, you know, I love to write in my cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, I write notes. Mm-hmm. If I've prepared a recipe and I think I'm going to do it again, I'll make, if I did, all, you know, any mm-hmm. anything I substituted or, you know, change the temperature on the oven or do this or that, I'll make little notes. But I also will write down, we had this meal for Easter 2010, mm-hmm. and this was who was pre- this was who was here, and I'll write it in the cookbook, like in the margins. I like that, um, and it doesn't take long, you know, yeah. but it's just a little little journal entry in my cookbook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if there's any other things like that that you could think of that something easy and practical that they. Well, could do. I think too, maybe just. What am I feel? How do I feel today? Or mm-hmm. you know, what's going on today? Um, maybe just little, little things about their mood today. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes our mood is lower than other times, and mm-hmm. and maybe just and then when you go back and look at that, it, it it's kind of revealing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, especially if if you've grown mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. over the years, and uh, yeah. I don't know, but I I like that idea. I think that's a great one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very few people use cookbooks anymore. I know. I know. That's really (laughs) sad. But you know, if you inherited one, especially if you had one that was your mother's or your grandmother's or some, or, you know, your dad's or whatever. Right. Go back through that and, you know, as you make some of the favorite recipes, do that. Make some notes, yeah. and maybe you have a memory of your mom making that thing, and you mm-hmm. could go in her cookbook and you could write mm-hmm. that memory down mm-hmm. in the margins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Another thing I thought about for busy moms, just a way to sort of write these words down for your kids to read later and for you. Write down, get a little notebook. It doesn't have to be fancy, but write down the things that your kids say, those funny little things 
little one-liners, little, like the way that they say, you know, the word fireplace. One of my kids, he could not pronounce the F sound. And so he would do an H instead. So it was Heil place, Heil, Heil place. Until one day he didn't say that anymore. And then, you know, you think you're going to remember and you will not remember. And if you have more than one kid, you won't remember which kid said what. Right. Right. (laughs) So just get like a little notebook and just write down, you know, Johnny used to say this or There's actually a calendar I've there? seen that you can you can buy and it has room and it's made specific specifically to write down things that your children do that day or say or whatever. There you go. So I think a calendar would be Yeah, that'd be great. Really just every day, could, every yeah. every couple of days, just jot down a little funny thing they did yeah. or a funny thing yeah. they said or a milestone or yeah. some thought you had about them that day. Now everybody just puts it on Facebook. So. I know, <laughs> but you know what, folks? Facebook might not always be there. That's right. And as we said before, there's something about physically writing it down with your mm-hmm. hand. There's a there's a connection that's made in your memories. Well, and plus, this is something that's special to you. Yes. It's not really that special to everybody exactly. else in the world. So, exactly. you know, and I think just having making that special mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. you <laughs> is a good, good Absolutely. policy. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um so I was just thinking about cards from my husband. He he gives me a card for every occasion, and always he always does finds beautiful cards. But the thing that I like the most about the card is the envelope because he always on the front always puts to my Karen. Oh, and that just to me is yeah, that's that's really special. So I can't throw those envelopes away either. <laughs> but uh, but so little things like that. You, don't underestimate little things like that. A that, single word, yes, my, yes, makes yes, all the difference yes. because you're not just any Karen. Yes, you're his Karen. Yes, my Karen. Yeah. So and especially with you know the Karen has a pretty bad. Uh, she's name got a pretty bad. You got to do things. To, you got to do things to. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. So I just had, she said it. I, folks. I, I I couldn't pass that one up. <laughs> She is nothing like that, Karen. I'll just set the yeah. record straight. Well, I hope not. <laughs> but um, oh, and an- another letter. I, f- I I just went through my box and found all these things. But a fun idea, and this is this would be really fun for your kids, especially if they're young teens. Um, when our daughter was twelve years old, um, she wrote a letter to herself mm-hmm. at twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, so she said, um, "How does it feel to be twenty? That seems a long way off. <laughs> Are you Mrs. Blank yet? Uh, I bet so. Right now, I'm anxious to grow up and have my own kids instead of babysitting. And <laughs> so I just thought, oh my that gosh, is that's so, so funny. Good. Yeah. So funny. And she really actually made it to 20 Aww. before she read that. So, um, and, cool. and just letters from grandkids. Um, that, we do have one family who really likes to, their kids like to write letters, mm-hmm. and we really enjoy getting those letters. But like, this is just an example of a, like from a 10-year-old grandson to his pop. Hi, Pop. Hope you're having a great Christmas. Remember when we helped you with bonfires? That was fun. Or when we did the yard work? It's so fun at your house. The fires, work, the new workshop. I can't wait for January when we're going to be at your house. Yes, can't mm-hmm. wait to see you. But I, I was just thinking about how how meaningful that is because so many times... We as grandparents, or maybe it's more me, I think, oh, it's just not that 
fun around here. We really, we don't have one of those cool little cars that go around the property or, you know, we don't have this or that. And, but yet you don't have to have those things. You got, you got his perspective through his words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But, you know, and this is a, a, talking about how a child can even make an impact. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. With a letter. So, um, Abraham Lincoln actually grew his distinctive beard as a result of having gotten a letter from a young 11-year-old girl. And so she said, if you let your whiskers grow, you would look much better. Your face is too thin and ladies like whiskers. They might convince their husbands to vote for you and you'd be president. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So it turns out that Lincoln had had a really poor self-image of himself because of his looks. Uh He was tall and skinny and lanky and just, Uh you know, didn't feel good about himself. And he, but he was a very engaging man, yeah. and um, but you couldn't tell that by looking at his pictures, uh-huh. you know. And so um, he took the girl's advice, and he didn't do it before he became president, but before the inauguration mm-hmm. he did. And some people say that it might have actually saved his life growing that beard because he and his bodyguard um, were on the train on their way to the inauguration, and there was a um, an attempt for his life, an assassination attempt. Wow. And um, I didn't know that there had been another assassination attempt. Yeah, but due to his recent disguise with his beard, and he he wore a different hat that day, They didn't recognize wow. him, and so That's and he only so had one bodyguard. So That's so interesting, <laughs> yeah. On a train, all, all from a little eleven-year-old yeah, girl. Eleven-year-old girl, yeah. That's cool. And then you think about um, Anne Frank mm-hmm. and her her diary journals. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I mean, she got that diary when she was thirteen before they went into hiding. Yeah. And but once she was into hiding, she wrote. Mm-hmm. so much in there about every day, her feelings and what mm-hmm. was going on. And um, and just to show the reality of what, of what yeah. the Jews were going right. through. We, would, we and, would be missing a whole piece of understanding yeah. that experience without her writing. I mean, she had no idea that that diary was going to be such a huge part of yeah. history. Yeah, And her dad, the only surviving member of their family, took that mm-hmm. and safe kept it. And mm. now you That's can amazing. read all kinds of stuff yeah. out of her diary, and it, and there are, there's children's books about it and everything. It's really it's really neat. But um, but my grandfather, he when he was eighty eight years old, I guess he died when he was ninety four. Um, he decided to j- write a journal about his whole life, mm-hmm. and he did forty pages. Mm. And um, and here's how he began. He said. It was on the 15th day of March, 1903, I made my triumphant entry into this great land of prosperity and challenge. Mr. Webster defined the word challenge as a calling to take part in a fight, and I have found life to be just that. I'm 87 years old, and I believe that I have won more fights than I have lost. I got off to a bad start. I arrived two months ahead of schedule and weighed at two, in at two and a half pounds. I know where I was born and when I was born, but I have not figured out why I was born. And I thought, that is so strange. (laughs) My grandfather was this gruff old man, you know, and and he, through his journal, I have seen the 
tender side of him uh-huh. that I did not know existed yes. at all. And so that the connection that yes. I have felt through those words with him has just been really neat. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. love that. And I think, so we've kind of moved from letter writing into journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a couple of thoughts about that. Um, the first thought, I'm a journal keeper. I often will, will, I don't do this quite as much anymore, but I used to um, write my prayers. It was a prayer journal, and mm-hmm. I would just pour out my heart to the Lord, and I would write, because it helped me to keep focus. Probably, Karen, because mm-hmm. I was getting up super early in the morning, because mm-hmm. I had four little children at home, and that was the only way that I was going to have that time, Yeah, and I had to stay awake. So if I tried to pray like with my eyes closed, yeah. and I would fall asleep, fall asleep. Yeah. and I did often. Yeah. Um, so I found that writing them down mm-hmm. kept my kept me engaged enough to keep me awake, and, and I have stacks and stacks of them. Mm-hmm. And I have some friends who have said, oh, no, 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 I burn all of my journals. And I'm like, Oh no! Don't do that. You're kidding. Because I just feel like nobody's going to read them while you know they're not Mm going to go read them now. But they all know they have my permission to read them when I'm gone and I go home to be Mm -hmm. with Jesus. You just read them. I want you to see because we tend to idolize people Mm -hmm. after they're gone. We Mm -hmm. tend to think that they were you know, just these perfect people and they didn't have struggles and they mm-hmm. didn't, you know, and I know from, ex- from the yep. past, all of the, you know, great thinkers of the past, we have, who we have journals for, yeah. these mighty men of God and women of God, yes. we, from yes. their journals, we see that they had so many struggles. Many of them struggled yeah. with depression and anxiety yeah. and other mental illnesses and things. Yeah. We wouldn't have known that without their journals. No. And I want for my kids or my grandkids to know the struggles that I had. I mean, mm-hmm. I try to be open when it's appropriate with them, you know, now, mm-hmm. but I want them to be able to read those things if they want to. I mean, they might not want to, but right. it's there if they yeah. want to read them um, and perhaps understand a piece of who I was, but more importantly, see how God mm-hmm. used my life for His glory yeah. and what the role that they played in it and, you know, how I prayed over them and all those yeah. kinds of things. Well, and it could offer them hope too, because you know what? They might go through some of the same yes. things you were going through and exactly. and and just seeing that you've where you are now right. gives them hope. Right. To, and that and so, brings yeah. me to my other point that I was thinking as you were talking was we were giving lots of examples about, you know, writing down happy memories and mm-hmm. recording all of these fun things and all this good stuff. But I wanted to just say that I think it's really important that we also write down and record the struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going through something particularly challenging and just like yeah. a, a valley of the shadow, you need to write it down. Whether it's in your journal, um, we've we've had something that we've gone through in our family where I, I just I had to put it down on paper. I had mm-hmm. to put down mm-hmm. this is what I'm thinking. This is how I'm frustrated. It was sort of part journal, part memoir, part prayer. <laughs> but I have a notebook, and I've saved some some letters and emails that have been sent back and forth mm-hmm. through communicating through this process. Yeah, um, and it's not happy. No, you know yeah, it's I not. Haven't. Yeah, but I need to remember, and when I see God bring it, bring us through it, and that might be twenty years from now, mm-hmm. and I see Him resolve it, and and I see how He worked through this trial. Um, for our good and for His glory, I want to be able to go back and look at all of that and yeah. see the progression. Yeah. So I think it's really important to oh, write those things down. I agree. In fact, 
that was my next okay. <laughs> yeah. nice segue. Talking, yes, there. it is a very nice segue because <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about expressive writing, okay. and that's exactly what you're talking about, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it's it's really a tool for like when you've experienced like trauma mm-hmm. or chronic pain or um, you know, I mean, it could be any time in your life. It could be right. childhood trauma that you've never dealt with yeah. and it's causing issues with your body or whatever with your emotions. Well, I was um, doing some research on expressive writing and I feel like that it's probably a, a really good thing to, to do um, Trauma triggers anger and fear. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't talk about things and we don't get things out, then our brain holds memories Mm -hmm. and emotions in this special library in our head. And we then whenever we come up in certain situations, we think and we behave from those emotional memories. Right. And so... um, Researchers say that burying emotions of a memory increases sympathetic nervous system response, which is the fight or flight mm-hmm. um, mode, which, you know, you either are going to physically fight or you're going to take off. Right. Um, and um, there's this guy, James Pennebaker, and he's a PhD who, and he's a key researcher in expressive writing. And he actually did this study. Um, years ago on how that you can write for like 15 to 30 minutes, maybe three to five times a day mm-hmm. in consecutive days about your deepest thoughts and emotions and feelings um, surrounding, a say, a, a key emotional right. issue that happened that affected our lives. Um, and, and the good thing about this is you have the freedom to um, express your your deep thoughts without anybody reacting. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important, you know, when you get those down on paper. Once it's written, uh, you can better understand it and you can assign it to memory without inhibited emotions. And so rather than allowing it to va- invade our every moment, and um, there's actually evidence that it can bring relief from traumatic memories through desensitization, um, desensitization, <laughs> say that word right. Yeah. Um, through repeated exposure. Okay. You know, anytime you're re- you're exposed to yes. something it, over and over and over, it desensitizes. Yes. And so it can be a good thing or it can be a bad mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But in this respect, it's a good thing because you know you're you're exposed to those, and then you you start to be able to look at them in a different light, right? In a right. different way. And um, then you can just get rid of that. You can destroy it. You can keep it. You can destroy it, whatever you choose to do. But there's really no benefit from rereading it. Yeah. Um, but uh, And so what they say is through this exercise that people have experienced fewer stress-related visits to the doctor, improved immune system functioning, reduced blood pressure, mm-hmm. uh, improved mood and effect. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many benefits. Yeah. To it, yeah. Um, but because you know, pain, even chronic pain, it's a it's a mind body issue, yes. and uh, so writing could be a tool to help rewire the brain mm-hmm. in in healing. And mm-hmm. uh, those memories that haunt the recurrent anxiety, and, and it gives brain assurance 
the emotions and feeling that emotions and feelings can be experienced without repeat trauma. And so the brain begins to build those new neural pathways that you were talking about earlier. Right. Um, and, and, and begins to reassociate, associate those moments of frustration and anxiety with the solutions mm. that we learned, um, Mm-hmm. through that that exercise of writing. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like it's a, it's a really good thing, you yeah. know, to be able to put your feelings down on paper. Right. Um, do you have any, have you had any experience with that or have you? Um, yeah. Well, like I alluded to earlier um, with a particularly difficult situation that yeah. we're, we're actually That's still true. in the middle of, but yeah. just the writing of it helps. Like if I go back, and I see the things that I wrote at the beginning of that journey, yeah. which it's been several years now. I can just see the rawness um, yeah. and the pain that it's not that it's not still painful, yeah. but the Lord has worked out that in my heart and in my mind mm-hmm. that I I'm 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 in a place now where it's still painful, but it's not so raw. Right. And um, I'm a little bit more removed from the trauma. I mean, it really was a traumatic experience. It yeah. was trauma. Yeah. And so I'm the, as time removes me from the trauma, but I'm not just buried the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I got it out mm-hmm. and I talk about it often. And that was the one thing I was going to say. This is something we, it's like a mantra in our house is to bring it, it out mm-hmm. into the light. Mm-hmm. If you have a fear, if you have an anxiety, if you have mm-hmm. an, an obsessive thought, if you have, mm-hmm. you know, something that's troubling you, and it's it's in like you, I love the what you just said, the library inside your mm-hmm. mind. It's words that you're holding on to. Mm-hmm. Don't let it fester there in the mm-hmm. dark. You need to talk to to someone about mm-hmm. it, and you can begin if it's too scary to talk about it. Begin by writing it down. Yeah. And getting it out of your mind Mm -hmm. and onto Mm -hmm. the paper, it just does something physically. And I Mm -hmm. have actually done that. Um, It was part of some therapy that I went through Mm -hmm. many years ago um, when I was going through depression and anxiety, severe depression and anxiety. Um, That was one of the things he had me do. He, that counselor, was the one who taught me this whole concept of being being transformed by the renewing of your Mm -hmm. mind and taking every thought captive and replacing it Mm -hmm. with truth. And part of the exercise was physically writing down the lies mm-hmm. that I was believing, mm-hmm. what I was hearing in my head, and then going to the Word and finding the truth, writing that down. Mm-hmm. I had a little stack of index cards that I carried around with yeah. me for months and months and months. I still have them. They're in my bedside drawer. And when I need yeah. to, I pull them out and yeah. I go through them again. Um, so this is all sort of in the same vein yeah. of this expressive same. writing. Yeah. Um, as far as writing something out and, you know, like destroying it or throwing away. I haven't really ever done that exercise mm-hmm. before because, um, mm-hmm. like I said, I wanted to be able to hold on to that and look back later mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. see the progression and yeah. see what God had done. Yeah. But I do, I can speak to the value of it. And I'm, yeah. I'd be interested to know how this um, expressive writing therapy, I think it's a therapy yeah, tool, it how, how it's mm-hmm. used with children. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did you come across anything? I did not. No, that? but that's a good... Yeah, I'm yeah, sure it would I, be an interesting I, thing to research. and, and Just because we're speaking to moms and you know, yeah. a lot of our listeners have young kids at home. And if, if your kid, even if it's something simple to help them work through using mm-hmm. written words that they can write things well, out. Well, I know there, um, there are children psychiatrists and psychologists that actually do pictures mm-hmm. with kids draw draw pictures, pictures you know and put your yeah. try to 
put your words to the pictures, but say your words and draw the pictures. And yeah. so, well, because they don't have the they cognitive don't have, ability yeah, at that yeah. point. It depends it, on their age. Right. This would be a, probably a really great <clears throat> exercise to do with teenagers, for sure, mm-hmm. um, I would think. Yeah. And um, anyway, it's powerful mm-hmm. um, to get those words out on paper. Well, and I was just going to mention, too, I... I I can mention this. It's mostly women listening to this, but you know I've had some issues with with my pelvic muscles, and mm-hmm. um, that is one of the specific things that some of this research said that it actually helps with that. Really? Yeah, with the pain of that, being able to just write about you know, and maybe there's something you know that that you've been thinking too much about lately, and you need to you have a relationship with a relative that's you know mm-hmm. not so good and you need Mm -hmm. to just get that out on paper Mm -hmm. you know maybe there's something causing my muscles my pelvic muscles to be tight that it's oh because it's unresolved issues yeah i got it it could be yeah yeah and so um so they mentioned that specifically so that really got my attention (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) okay it's worth a try absolutely um, okay well so are we we're going to move into talking about writing down stories Mm -hmm. Yeah, stories. Um, stories are a great, great way to um, be able to just connect mm-hmm. with with each other. Telling stories. Um, it's one of the, I think, the most effective means of using words. Yeah, um, it's it's effective in building vocabulary and reading comprehension. And it engages all kinds of brains because you have visual learners mm-hmm. and they're looking, you know, the visual learners are having these mental pictures in their head as yes. they're reading yes. and as they're hearing a story. And auditory learners, they focus on the words and the, the storyteller's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, kinesthetic learners, they connect and remember by feeling the emotional parts of the story. Right. So it can... You know, touch all all these different kinds of learners, and I think that's why you remember um, uh, more when you're told a story. Mm-hmm. Um, we can also pass those memories and values to the next generation, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I think the spiritual values um, of our faith are, you know, those are the most important things that we can impart to our children. Mm-hmm. And in you know Deuteronomy, it talks about that and. It talks about to impress them on your children. First of all, it says um, to be on your hearts. Well, another translation says impress them on your children. Another says commit yourselves wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Teach them diligently. I mean, there's so many ways, right. but it, to, to make that say, this is important. Yeah. This is very important. You don't just talk about it one hour a day. You you try to be aware of the of moments that you know you can interact with say your child and um you know you can tell a story to your child mm-hmm. and they're going to remember things if you put it in a story form yes. a lot better but um oh this is a scripture i thought was really cool it says write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it in habakkuk too. And I thought, that's really good. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about a modern day translation of that, and it would be like, write down the stories, 
make them interesting and memorable and get it out on blogs, podcasts, and genealogy sites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, cause that's where, you know, where people tell a lot of stories, but, yes. um, yes. but I think, um, it's important to try to connect the, pr- the present with the past, mm-hmm. with those stories, those old stories, you know, and mm-hmm. then there are new stories. And, you know, I was telling you about when I did that storytelling thing in first and second grade, and it got to, I got to thinking about how that that might be a valuable thing to, you know, tell your child a story and say, I want you, now you're going to tell that story back to me. Right. And so they're getting it two times. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and, and their brain is... Mm-hmm. Working, mm-hmm. and so were your parents storytellers? No, no. So where do you think you got that gene from? You know, I I really don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I just I love stories, um, but I don't know where I got it. My my parents did not talk much at all. Mm. <laughs> In fact, there were times I I would have loved to heard stories, but, yeah. you know, they just didn't, my dad didn't even talk about, you know, the war. He didn't talk mm-hmm. about it. I, a lot of, of that generation, they, I think, didn't do yeah, that. Yeah, they weren't as, That's, certainly not as expressive as this, the generation we have now yeah. and, and how we are today. But, um, but I think it's, it's just a great tool. Yeah. And, um, well, so storytelling is powerful. We yes, know that. Um, and, it was one of Jesus's favorite tools to All use. All the parables when he was teaching, <laughs> he was the master yes. storyteller. Yeah. Um, and I, I think for us to, we need to know, we need to take that into account when we're thinking about how we want to communicate with people because storytelling is a very powerful communication tool, mm-hmm. especially with children. Yeah, um, they're like born. You know, we mm-hmm. are born just we are born for story. Yeah, you know, God is telling one big great big story in all of of history and you can read about it in the bible um, it is one story that all points to jesus and so i think storytelling is just one of the best tools that we have as parents and as just as people when we try to communicate with other people well yeah i know when i when i teach classes of young children classes mm-hmm. i love to tell stories yeah. you know because i feel like you get their attention when you tell a story, and especially if you have something for them to see what, when you're telling the story, you right. know, and uh, and so I think it's a it's a very good way to approach teaching, and it doesn't have to be complicated, no. you know. I mean, most stories they no. have a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, they kind of all follow yeah. a similar narrative. You've got someone in distress, yeah. and then you have a hero that comes along, and then you have you know a resolution at the end. Um, it's pretty simple, and you can kind of follow that format. I think there's lots of ways you can um, engage with your child too mm-hmm. in storytelling. You know, one of our favorite things to do was read alouds, and so I mm-hmm. would, yeah, you know, every night before bed—not every night, but often before bed—we um, would be reading something aloud together with mm-hmm. whichever children were age appropriate at yeah. that time. You yeah. know, but you'd be surprised at how old. How long a child will listen to a read aloud? Oh, you know they love it, even on into middle school and high school. Well, yeah, the next night they beg for the next. I know, you know, like we gotta read, we gotta read, see what happened. I know they love <laughs> it, know? and and I would do voices and all that, but you don't yeah. have to do that. Yeah, um, but even engaging them with st- if you if you are the kind of person who can make up stories. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that is such a wonderful talent and you can just engage with them in that and make up stories together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those are, that's like a fun old parlor game actually yeah. from way back in oh, Victorian yeah. times where yeah. somebody would start telling the story and yeah. then yeah. they would stop and right. the next person would have to pick up and then you just, yes. you know, had this wonderful, amazingly yeah. weird story at yeah. the end. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. But kids would love that. Yeah. And what a fun way to communicate and use your words creatively mm-hmm. in the home with and your sitting children. around the bonfire, tell, you know, right. telling story, telling ghost stories or whatever. Right. And I'm not, you know, I enjoy Netflix just as much as the next person. Uh-huh. I'm not saying, you know, no television in the oh, home, yeah. but yeah. it's a great alternative. Yes, it is. You don't have to every night sit yeah. everybody in front of the television. Because why do we do that? Why do we sit in front of the TV? Because we love story. Right. Right. The storyline. <laughs> so take some of that opportunity to create some of your own yeah. stories in your family. Yeah. And write them down. And write them down. And yeah. this is something that... Um, that Edith Schaefer talks about in her book, one of her practical ideas for writing, but you could do this verbally as well. Um, you could do biographies. You could tell stories to your children of your own childhood growing up. Yeah. You yeah. know, just make them into little stories that you would tell them at bedtime right. about the time you, you know, walked up to the grocery store with your grandmother. I don't know, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, you could write biography, you know, could tell them a story of, Maybe your mom or your grandmother or someone that they never knew. You can tell them stories. Um, I know that my husband has very, very fond memories of his grandfather was a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And as a child, and he he made up these two characters. I forgot their names now, but he could tell you right now. And he could tell you some of the stories mm-hmm. that he would just... It was like adventures of, That's you know, so Bob and Mo. That's not their yeah. names, but and so Bob and Mo would have these adventures all over town and he would come up with all these funny little they were just these little, you know, parable mm-hmm. type stories and they didn't always have a moral lesson or anything like that, but they were just fun and he remembers those to this day. See, isn't that that's amazing. Well, there's a woman in our um class, our writing class, it's called Legacy. It's just a small group of women and um she actually wrote a book based on her childhood stories, like just everything about her childhood. She she's just published a book. Mm. And it's a mystery. Oh, and that's it's cool. really neat. You know, that she could take that and, and, and I mean these are pe- real people yeah. back from her day. Uh-huh. <laughs> so while we're on the subject of writing and storytelling, I know that you are a writer. Um you don't have to be an aspiring writer to do this. And I hope you're getting, I hope the listeners, you're getting that point um, after this long conversation we've been having that this is, this is for everybody. This is not just for people who have a quote gift of writing, but what if you are that person? What if you are that mom who has this burning desire to write? Do you feel like you have a gift? You're called to write. Do you have any advice for her on ways that she can sort of nurture that gift? For me, the way I got started with writing is writing memoir. Mm. And I love memoir because it's personal and they're, you know, people are going to want to read it yeah. in your family. They're, they they really want to read it. And um, I just think it's fun for moms, for especially young moms. You know, we talked about writing things your kids might say or yeah. do. Well, why not make just 
make a story out of it, you know, mm-hmm. write it. And you don't, you definitely don't have to be a writer. You don't need to worry about grammar or punctuation or any of that. Get your, just get your thoughts down on the paper. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. I think so many times we worry about, oh, we just, we don't know grammar well enough or we don't know mm-hmm. this, you know, that's not important. Right. And that's what they tell, you know, I've been writing for a while now. I've been in some groups and um, that's exactly what they say when you are writing um, your memoir mm-hmm. down you just write. You don't worry about, you know, yes. that it maybe isn't the right form or mm-hmm. format or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just write. And you're going to be glad you did because it's it's really fun to look back on that and read. Like right now I'm I'm um, about to publish a book. Um, it's my, my mother-in-law's stories of her childhood. And she had a really difficult childhood, but... but there are so many neat things and that you can learn, mm-hmm. you know, through difficulty. And yeah. she seemed to do that yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so, you know, I never never dreamed I I would be able to write and publish a book. I mean, I, I had to do a lot of editing with this. I didn't really actually write the stories, but I had to do a lot of editing and I wrote mm-hmm. some forewords and different things, you know. But um, but I never pictured myself doing anything mm-hmm. like this. But you, it just it, it grows on you, yeah. <laughs> when you yeah. start doing it, and it's a great way to just sit down and pass some time. And mm-hmm. you know, I just think, I think it. Yeah, don't ever feel like you have to be a writer to write. <laughs> yeah, I have a yeah. quote here from from Edith. For anyone who wants to write and hopes someday to publish what he or she has written, it is far more important to write mm-hmm. than it is to study about writing. Yes, just write something. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I amen. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to end our time. We're going to we want to we've talked a lot about the words that we pour out. That we've spent a lot of the mm-hmm. last hour talking about the words we're pouring out in all the different ways we can do that. We've we've talked about the words that we have in our mental library and what we need to do about those words. Um Part of this equation, though, this three-part equation, are the words that we take in. So I wanted to end our time spending a little bit of of time talking about that, Mm -hmm. words that we take in. And we know we have already established that the most important word we can take in is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Daily, regularly, um, and then making it a part of our environment of Mm -hmm. the home that we're cultivating as homemakers. So what are some creative ways that you have been able to do that? Um, making it a part of your environment, the Word of God. Okay. Well, I think one of the best ways that I feel like in my home that I've, I'm just looking around on my walls right now, mm-hmm. and uh, I've got um, a lot of Scripture, a lot of positive um, things on my walls, and uh-huh. my walls speak to me every day, and they also speak to people coming in and... Um, I, I so I feel like your walls your walls can pour out. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And um, I, I, there's one example of that in when we were living back in Vienna, and I was part of this women's group where we got together from all these different ladies from different countries, and they came to my place one day, and um, they this one woman went to the bathroom, and then she came down the hall, and she looked, and she saw this picture, and it's. In quietness and trust is my strength, from mm-hmm. Isaiah. And she came to me and she said, oh, there's this 
picture on your wall, and I just really love it. Where did that come from? Mm. And I said, it came from the Bible. And she said, she was from an Islamic country, Uh and she said, the Holy Bible? (laughs) And I said, yes. Uh And so, you know, there you go. Yeah, (laughs) it can be a witness. It gives you a little mm -hmm. uh, jumping off place here to, yeah, to talk to To somebody. To communicate with someone else. Yeah, yeah. And understand where they're coming from, and they can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. That's what communication Mm -hmm. is for. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and then um, I I think our family belief system Mm -hmm. probably has been... um, one of the most effective things we've done with our children, Greg and I sat down and really thought and prayed about um, these beliefs and goals, and we just put them down in words, and mm-hmm. we would pour them out to our children every night. To, to the, finally, they they got to where they could repeat them. Yes, and um, you know things like God is real and He loves us. Uh, doing right is never wrong. Doing right and ne- is never wrong. That teaches conviction and courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there are these goals, there's the beliefs, and then there are these goals. And um, then there are the targets that we came up with. This is what we want our children to learn. We want them to learn to love God and grow to a mature walk with Him. Mm-hmm. We want them to learn to love and understand God's Word. Right. Um, we want them to spend time daily with God and grow to understand the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. So all these things that we wanted to instill in our children, we tried to come up with uh, these beliefs and goals that we could that would be simple. I love yeah. I love that you do that. We talked about that in your interview mm-hmm. um, a little bit more extensively. You can go back and listen. I'll link it in the show notes. But what you guys have done in your Shepherd Family Values, which literally hangs on the wall, Mm -hmm. in your room, um, you have given verbal expression to those values that you and Greg hold Mm -hmm. highest Mm -hmm. for your family. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's what words do. They give verbal expression to what we value most. So if we value our appearance and our reputation and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, if we value man's opinion, if we value all the wrong things... That's going to come out in our words. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to come mm-hmm. out in maybe anger or you know having a short temper with your spouse or your kids. If mm-hmm. what are you valuing? And this this is so interesting to me because this is totally a God thing that He keeps bringing values up mm-hmm. in the conversations I'm having about mm-hmm. everything from this to organization, right? Exactly. To um, one of the interviews I did with with Christine um, a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about hospitality and values and all of that, but that's really what it comes down to. It's it's such a big part of our life. It's, I mean, what do you value most? Yeah, what yeah. do you worship? And it has to, it, you know, it it doesn't just come by osmosis. No, it's intentional. You have to be intentional. Yeah, and it. I mean, this wasn't easy to do. It, it took a lot of time yeah, and a I'm lot sure. of effort to come up with this stuff. You know, right? I'm sure you guys spent a long time on that. But we're really. Um, you know, and I've given the I've, I've put these on plaques and given them to like parents that are having babies, and mm. and you know that's a sweet gift idea. Yeah, I, love I, that. I feel like it that you know it's the best gift I can give. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, a wonderful gift of words. That's, yeah, that's a great idea. We didn't even get into that like word gifts and that kind yeah, of thing. I know. Thing. I know. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk just a little bit about some of the other words that we take in mm-hmm. and. 
the reason why I mentioned the Bible first was because that needs to be the filter through which everything else goes. Everything else needs to be filtered through that. So we have other words that that come into our home, come into our lives. Um, what about media? Oh, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of that lately. <laughs> yeah. And by media, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, what we consider television, radio, the mm-hmm. internet, mm-hmm. Um, newspapers, news, that kind of thing. Yeah. And everybody's got their own truth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and speaking to moms, that is why it's so, so important yeah. to give your kids that knowledge of the truth of the word of God. Mm-hmm. The most important word that you can give them is God's word because they're not always going to have you there to bounce off the mm-hmm. things that they're hearing in the world and the experiences that they go through. You're not always going to be there to walk them through that, but God will, and His Word will never fail. And yeah. they can filter everything that they see, that they read, that they experience in mm-hmm. media. I mean, I know just, you know, kids nowadays are exposed to so mm-hmm. much more media mm-hmm. than than I ever was, certainly yeah. than you ever were, and um, you're not always there to yeah. help them decipher it. And that's why we need to help them implant the Word of God in their hearts and their yeah. minds so they can filter that through. Oh, so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if they're going to school all day, every day, and they come home and and they're not getting mm-hmm. the other side of the, yeah. <laughs> you know, hearing hearing the truth to be able to combat maybe some of the things that they've learned that aren't things that you would have taught them. Right. And... Um, I think that that is so. You've got to make time. We as parents have to make time mm-hmm. for that. If we if we don't do other things, we have to make right. time for that. Right. And even in the best yes. of situations where they've they're you know they might be at a great school where they're learning the truth of God, but they still need to be able to think for themselves. Yeah. yeah. They need to be able to take the words that they hear from all the different sources in the world, whether it's media yeah. or their teacher exactly. or the kids in their class, and they need to be able to be transformed by the yeah. renewing of their mind. They need to let those words filter through the truth of God so yeah. that it impacts them in the right way mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. grows them in in the, the fear and, and the knowledge of the Lord rather than stagnates them yeah. in some sort of, you know, wrong thinking. Um, that's super yeah. important. Um, music. Music is very powerful. We're we're not going to talk too much about it because we're actually going to do a whole episode on music. Yeah. But cool. um, music lyrics specifically, when we're talking about media, one you know, music is a form of that, and so we need to be really aware of the lyrics that are coming mm-hmm. in through our kids into our kids' yeah. ears <laughs> and to our own ears. Yes. Frankly, yeah. It starts with us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so just to be aware of that. Yeah. And then finally, I want to talk a little bit about great literature, because this Mm. is something you and I have in common. Mm -hmm. We're actually in a book club together Mm -hmm. that we are on our second year now. Um, Started a book club, and I just want to give a plug to everybody out there that this is something that anybody can do. Um, We started it during COVID, Mm -hmm. and so it's a virtual book club, and all I do is just an admin role. I just help we select the books at the beginning of the year and then we put out the list and um, everybody reads. You have a month to read your selection. Sometimes we have two selections because sometimes we do children's books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get together over Zoom. We have mm-hmm. a private Facebook group that we talk to one another and then we get together over Zoom and we talk about it. And it's called Conquering the Classics because some of these books 
you really got to have moral support and uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and cheerleaders to help you get through them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I love this book club. In fact, after the first year, I thought, oh, this has been pretty hard reading. Do I really want to do this again? And then I thought about how I didn't really read very many of the classics in high school. I didn't either. I, I was in a small high school that just was not an mm-hmm. emphasis at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to read and the way that words are put together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes it's 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 different than the way we speak now oh, and yeah. we write now, but it's just so unique and so beautiful. And I just have been hanging on that. You know, I, I hang on those words when I'm reading. I have to go back and, oh, that was really good. I want to read that again. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's definitely a place for modern literature. And, yeah. But the sure. purpose of this book club was to get through some of those those books you should read before you die, you know, and that's kind of the, those are the lists that I pull from to decide what we're going to read. Um, but there's some just wonderful quotes about about reading great literature. There's a book mm-hmm. by um, Karen Swallow Pryor. Have you read that? Mm-hmm. Uh, it? It's called On Reading Well, no. Finding the Good Life Through Great Books. And it's no. sort of like a primer on okay. this, this is what you should look for in a really great mm-hmm. book. Like mm-hmm. this is a good classic you know, what you should be reading. She actually has lists in there. Oh, that's neat. Um, But this is a quote from another thing that she wrote. It's She says, books have formed the soul of me. I know that spiritual formation is of God, but I also know, mainly because I learned it from books, that there are other kinds of formation too, everyday gifts, and that God uses the things of this earth to teach us and shape us Mm -hmm. and to help us find truth. And she learned that from books, you know, from reading. And in reading, we get into somebody else's experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, you know, it can be adventurous and it can take us to different worlds and all those wonderful things. But what did you find? I know you homeschooled your kids Mm -hmm. and I'm sure great books were a part Mm -hmm. of your homeschooling journey. So how how do you see the impact on your children and on, on your home that great books have brought? Well, I, you know, we did um, we did a lot of reading, and like you say, both out loud, and they also had to read on their own. And um, we had this Bob Jones University where they published all these books, and mm-hmm. and they were I, I could always count on them being good, clean books. You know, I mean, sometimes it's really hard to just buy a classic out there. I mean, you're not sure what, yes, you know, if it's too mature or whatever. Yes, some of it's heavy. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I loved the fact that they kind of did that for me. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and all my kids, in fact, our son, he actually did not read until late. Mm-hmm. And he started reading those books and he could not put them down. And mm-hmm. that's where he, that's how he learned to read. And they're they're wonderful books. I mean, you know, they teach so many lessons yeah. um, in life. And um, and that's what I love about, you know, the classics is that they do. You People back in the 1700s, 1800s, they were people just like us. Yes. We tend to think of them being different or mm-hmm. having different experiences. They had the same experiences that we have, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And um, and it, I just love the lessons that I've learned from those books and what the values that actually you can get values from those books also, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
mm-hmm. how you live your life, and uh, and then things that how not to live. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Here's an example of what not to do. Yeah. I think there's just something about the language of older books, um, mm-hmm. like you were talking about, just the the way that they put words together and the way that they. Just the way that the the prose is yeah is it's beautiful it's so beautiful yeah um, I have another quote here this one's from C S Lewis it is a good rule after reading a new book never to allow yourself another new one until you have read an old one in between oh there you go <laughs> so I thought that was great that's really good I mean there's wonderful books coming out all the and time. I want to read them all I but know. I don't have time to read them I all know, I know <laughs> so definitely I think that's a, a good little rule maybe to have for yourself and even with your I kids love that. you know yeah. read them a new kids book but then go back and read them something yeah older Right. Uh, maybe some old. Well, you got to watch out with the fairy tales because some yes. of those are actually quite gruesome. Oh yeah, Greg brought uh, <laughs> Greg brought a Russian fairy tale book home oh, one day. Oh. Those are even worse. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, just be careful with that. You might want to proof the reading before yeah. you put it in front of your kids. Definitely. Um, oh yeah. But on on children's literature, this is one of my very favorite. This is the last quote I'm going to give you. This is one of my very favorites from mm-hmm. from Lewis. And I think I said this to the book club when I was telling you guys why we're. Going to read some kids' books. Mm-hmm. Um, a child's story that can only be enjoyed by children is not a good children's story in the slightest. No book is really worth reading at the age of 10, which is not equally and often far more worth reading at the age of 50 and oh, beyond. Oh, that is so true. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that if is it's so true. If it's worth reading at 10, it should be good enough to read when you're an adult too. Because I remember when you asked us to, you know, give some selections, some ideas, and I I thought, well, I read Black Beauty. I really loved Black Beauty, but I thought, oh, she's probably not going to want to read that. That's kind of a kid's book. Well, we just read it last month (laughs) and I loved it. I mean, everybody loved it. I read that book. I wish I I had my copy that I had back then because it was so unique and it had a hardcover Mm -hmm. and everything. It was very laminated looking. Um, I have mine. With pictures. Oh, I have my child from when I was a child. Yes. Yeah. My mom tried to find it, but she said, I don't know what happened to it. gone. So anyway, but uh, yeah, but you know, I was a, a correlation that I've seen between people that read a lot. They, they, in fact, they say, if you want to be a good writer, you have read. to read. Yes, I've only known one person in my whole life, and she was in our um, class a couple of years ago, our writing class, who she said she never reads, and she's a very good writer. Wow. And so I, I'm like, how did you do that? I, that's that's, that's not a the gift, rule. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I've heard that too as well. So yeah. Yes. So all, I mean, I'm a, I am a bibliophile. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love books. Yeah. I collect books. I have them all over the place. Yes. My, I have like all the badges on Audible because that's how I take most of my books yeah. in yeah. nowadays because I'm multitasking. Yeah. I'm a big proponent um, of the audiobook, and I have all the little, like you earn badges. Oh, cool. Like for, you know, you've read I this many books, you earn like a little badge of... Su- you're kidding. No. So I have well, all the badges. You're going to have to show me that because I got to figure... Yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> that sounds fun. <laughs> um, but yes, books, books, surround yourself, surround mm-hmm. your children with books. And um, when we were talking about the the Lewis quote about it needs to be good for mm-hmm. your kids to read it, uh, I did Charlotte Mason style education when my kids, yeah. when I was homeschooling yeah. and she had a... A thing that she would say, don't give your children twaddle. She called it twaddle. Mm-hmm. Don't give them twaddle. Yeah. Like, give them good stuff yeah. to read. Yeah. 
because those words will make an impact on yeah. them. And it's it's important yeah. what you're putting in front of their eyes. It is. So test to that fact. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any other words that we had a lot of words? We did on have words. a lot of words. Didn't I'm we? about worded out. <laughs> Well, this has uh, been a really good discussion. It has. Thank I you so much, it. Karen. Oh, I've just enjoyed it so much. Thank you. I hope you have enjoyed this deep dive into the art of words in the home with Karen Shepherd. We had so much fun with this topic and discussion, and I'm finding that God is often bringing to mind the things that we talked about. I find myself with a renewed desire to write and save letters, to memorize scripture, and to use my words as the powerful force of good that they can be in my circles of influence, beginning with my husband and my kids. It is my prayer that this discussion has opened your eyes to the power of words for the homemaker. Words can either help or hinder our daily efforts to cultivate an atmosphere of welcome and belonging in our homes. So let's choose our words carefully. May the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Thank you for listening all the way to the end, my friend. Don't forget to get your copy of our companion guide, Words to Live By, and make sure you're signed up for our free weekly newsletter because that's the place to not only be in the know about all that's happening at The Art of Home, but also to get your hands on any of the resources that our guests share with us. Often it'll be a recipe, but sometimes it's a poem or a reflection, or in this case, a copy of the Shepherd Family Values Chart that Karen and her husband prayerfully created and then implemented in their home over the past 50 years. You may want to just print it out as is and post it on your wall, or use it as inspiration to create your own family values chart. That will be in this week's newsletter, which goes out on Friday morning, so make sure you're subscribed before then. Click the link in the show notes or go to the artofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. As always, we so appreciate when you share the podcast with other homemakers and when you leave a rating and a review on your listening app. Both of these help the show reach more homemakers. So thank you. Everything we do here at The Art of Home is free to our listeners, but it does cost something to produce. If you believe in what we're doing here and you want to help offset some of the cost, you can leave us a tip in our virtual tip jar, buy me a coffee. I'm thankful for every single dollar that you gift to us over there. There's a link in the notes or go to buymeacoffee.com slash the art of home to leave your tip. Well, that's all for this episode of the art of home. We will be back next week with another homemaker portrait until then. Keep practicing your art of making a home.